Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. It's me, your boy Justin Anderson, out here in Saskatoon. This is episode 96, Patrick. Patrick is out in Nova Scotia, as per usual. How's it been out in Nova Scotia, Patrick? Anything exciting to report? Mm, absolutely nothing. Um, although, right. <laughs> we did get some news with regards to uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, okay. The Mooseheads... Uh, or the moose head. I don't know. A moose heads. I yeah. Don't know, man. Whatever. You tell me. The, our team. Our team here in Halifax, the moose. Uh, they are going to have uh, people in the stands for their games this year. Although it'll be a reduced number of fans, uh, which should come as no surprise. Yeah. Um, it got me really excited, but then I thought. I don't want to go to a hockey game right now. It's the middle of a pandemic. And then I just decided I'm, I'm not going to be able to get excited about the Q League this year. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, NFL's back tonight, and most teams are having some sort of reduced capacity. You know, the Cowboys are only doing – they're doing 50%, which oh, in a stadium God. that holds 100,000 people seems still – not enough of a reduction to me. Uh, I know the yeah. Broncos, my team, are only allowing, I think it's like 5,700 fans in their stadium that holds about 70,000. So that's a better number, more manageable. Let's but, be honest yeah. with ourselves, though. <laughs> the, the the United States isn't exactly a sparkling example of handling no, the pandemic. They are not a poster child for any uh, any positive pandemic coverage, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You anyway, know, uh, what, about blades, <laughs> what about the blades, though? What about the blades? I don't know anything about the blades. I, To be <laughs> honest with you, I'm not in hockey mode at all. Yeah. Um, it's even even the NHL. I Honestly, I don't even know who the four teams are who are left. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what game it is. Once the Leafs go out and once baseball season starts, even once baseball started, I had a hard time even giving a crap about, about hockey. Um, I'm a baseball guy through and through. I'd rather watch the NBA playoffs than NHL playoffs any day. Basketball oh, playoffs are way more exciting. Um, <laughs> oh, speaking oh. of which, the Toronto Raptors managed to stay alive against Boston in a double overtime thriller last night. You know what? People were talking about it being like a top three Raptor game of all time on Twitter. And honestly, for me, like, I, I don't even think it's close to being the top ten Raptor game. Like, Sure, it was a double overtime win. But the sloppiness on offense, I'm, I'm proud of them for like grinding it out. But the fact that they just didn't look great until like the middle of the third quarter, I don't think that puts it in like the classics. Like obviously the shot in game seven against Philly last year. Yeah. Or the double, even the double overtime game against Milwaukee game three last year in the conference finals when they were down 2 nothing. I think yeah. that's a way better game, obviously. There's some older after games too in the playoffs, but I don't even think this is close to a top game in history. What are your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, obviously the game was thrilling last night, yeah. but I think we need to be honest with ourselves. There were a lot of calls by the referees that could have gone either way. Either and, way. <laughs> and a lot of times it did go the way of the Raptors. Mm -hmm. uh, and I understand like it's easy to blame the referees when you lose a basketball game oh, and it was right. something that had proliferated the Celtics subreddit and the Celtics uh, Twitter. That doesn't it, sound it, like them at all. No, it's not a surprise. I mean, it would have been us Raptor too if we were on the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a surprise. It's just a part of being a, a sports excuse me, a good team <laughs> at this point is just like, you know, if you lose a game and it's tight like that, 
you're going to look for any reason not to blame the coaches or the players or whatever. But I mean, uh, Jason Tatum hit a clutch three uh, yeah. in the closing he's seconds of the game. He has so been, well. yeah, he's been great. Uh, some of their other players, Kemba Walker, I'm, I don't want to put anyone on blast, but like some of their other guys have, have struggled shooting and so have the, the Raptors too. I mean, we don't have to talk about Spicy P and, um, you know, uh, a couple Marcus others. <laughs> yeah, they've been, they've, they've, they're three point percent shooting percentages gross yeah. right now. It's just not happening. Like both, like nobody is playing a peak raptor performance right now except maybe kyle lowry who and is <laughs> yeah and og are definitely and norm powell are definitely Serge playing Bach has been playing well off the bench too but the thing is like they're they're not getting the clutch stuff from like fred van vliet or no. and they're not getting the clutch stuff from spicy p and like it they'll, they'll bounce back like they game seven is going to be do or die and i don't no think choice. yeah I don't think they're going to sit back and let Boston take like a 20 point lead into the half or Hey man, the Bucks are out. The East is really anyone's game now. Yeah. Uh Miami's obviously waiting for the winner of this series. Miami played so well against the Bucks. Obviously the Bucks lost Giannis, but at the same time they're still a number 1 team. They're not yeah. they didn't get there because of one player. Of course he definitely helped, but yeah, it's interesting to see. I think whoever gets through this series is probably the favorite against Miami. Um, oh yeah but at the same time you can't underestimate anybody at this point obviously it's probably gonna come down to uh the clippers or Kawhi's uh Kawhi's clippers or lebron's lakers in the, in the nba finals so we'll see what happens in that one but yeah let's get back to baseball um <laughs> we've got a bunch of injury updates to talk about with the blue jays this team is getting just beat up but there is some good news our first two guys we'll talk about today Bo bichette ken giles um, Bo's been doing simulated games in, in Rochester this week. He DH'd in the first one and then played in the field in his, uh, in his next game. Um, he saw five bats, five at bats, uh, during a Monday sim game. And apparently he rocketed like three or four line drives, like straight up the middle, according to, uh, Buck and Dan on the broadcast. So that's a good sign that he's, that he's hitting well. And he's still pitching, and he's still hitting against guys who some guys have been in the big leagues this year, and some guys are top prospects. So as long as he's hitting against nobodies, uh, another guy, Ken Giles, who should be back soon too, has been throwing bullpen sessions. It sounds like both of those guys could be back this weekend um, against the Mets, which would be a huge lift for this team after losing Tyoscar and Rowdy this week. Yeah. Um, Ken Giles likely not to be thrown right back into the closers role immediately. Probably work him into some maybe seventh inning, eighth inning, eighth inning roles first, just to get him comfortable and back into game action. And that's fine because I mean we saw Rafael Delis close a couple of games this week and actually looked really good in the closers role. Uh, Anthony Bass has struggled, so I'm glad to see them giving Delis a shot, especially with with Romano out. What are your thoughts on uh, Bowen Giles coming back? How big of a lift is that for this team who is kind of reeling right now? Uh, well, I think Bo is the bigger lift to the club. Uh, he is, uh, he was, uh, before he was injured, uh, the reason why our team didn't have a worse record. Uh, he yeah. was, he was absolutely electric at the plate, and I hope he hasn't lost any of that steam. Uh, certainly, he's been putting his all into his rehab. Yeah. Um, and I think inserting him into the lineup and then giving some time off for Espinal and Panic who 
you know, surprisingly have stepped up as far as they've the depth hitting goes. They've both been good, yeah. Yeah, and better than expected in my opinion, anyway. One or absolutely, I agree. One or both of them will be out of the lineup when Bo returns. It just depends on how they want to set things up. Obviously, yeah. with Rowdy Tillez being injured, Travis Shaw is probably going to be expected to shoulder the load at first. Uh, Vlad. Since Vladdy, I don't know, because Vladdy's been doing a lot of DHing. Um, I think we'll see more Vlad at bats um, now, and maybe some Travis Shaw at third base. Um, yeah, but see. Santiago Espinal has been hitting well too, and so is Panic. Both guys are, both guys uh, are batting quite well right now, and they're seeing well, the ball well. And I don't know at what point you take you want to pull them out of the lineup while they're hot, true. and then lose that. So, and both those guys hit on the opposite sides of the plate too, which is helpful with Espinal being a righty and Panic being on the left side. So they do ha- offer you that flexibility. Let me to post something play to you though. Games. Sure. Check this out. All right, so. We've obviously got a problem with Rowdy out of the lineup. Uh, obviously, Tiasca Hernandez is a huge blow, too. This is what I'm thinking. This is like five-dimensional chess. So uh, we put Espinal at third, Bo at short, Panic at second, uh, Travis Shaw or Vladdy at first. It really doesn't matter. And then in the outfield, you're going to have Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in left. Randall Gritchick in center, and in right field, Kavon Biggio. Mm-hmm. Is that spicy or is that mild? No, that's pretty standard to what everyone's thinking, I think. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like it's going to happen. the best lineup we have at this point. Um, uh, Keegan Matheson, friend of the show, had tweeted the other day that uh, when, when Montoyo had said that, yeah, Shaw and Vlad are going to basically split first base. And so that uh, Kevin Biggio may also get some reps there. And then uh, Keegan added, because it is a position on the baseball field, and Kevin just plays everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, they recalled Billy McKinney, right, when they put Rowdy on the on the aisle. Yep. So McKinney actually played some innings at first base for us last year, if you remember correctly. So that gives yep. us another guy who can play outfield and maybe even first base. Another left-handed bat as well, which replaces Rowdy's left-handed bat. Of course, it doesn't replace the power that Rowdy has. Uh, or the average yeah. still. Um, this might be the the most i guess lineup flexible team we've had in recent memory obviously with jonathan vr being a switch hitter but we do have some left-handed bats still that we've yeah. been lacking in the past obviously shaw was a big left-handed bat um panic is a lefty bat biggio is a lefty bat so it's nice to have those guys in the lineup who aren't just those classic batista donaldson and Canacion, uh right-handed power hitters that we've always had uh, moving into the next guys here, uh, Jordan Romano, obviously he left the game when he had that kind of finger injury when his finger was just twitching. He had like some sort of nerve thing, I think, some sort yeah. of tendon maybe. Hasn't been any updates on him in the last 10 days. Uh, team is still hopeful he'll pitch again this year. He was, uh, I think Rob Longley posted a photo yesterday of him on yep. the field in Buffalo with a ball in his right hand and a baseball glove on. So maybe he was throwing a little bit, who knows? Uh, Shoemaker has been ramping up his throwing program. He's been out for about mm, two and a half weeks now. Uh, he's expected to hopefully be back by the end of the season. Whether or not he can start is another story. Same with our next guy, Nate Pearson. So Montoyo talked about the other day on Wednesday that uh, Pearson will likely return as a reliever if he makes it back this season. Obviously, I don't think this surprises anybody. Pearson was 
barely built up as a starter at the end of last AAA season. Um, he's yep. only made a handful of starts in the bigs. And, yeah, bringing him back in, like, a one, two, maybe three-inning relief role, like a Thomas Hatch or an Anthony Kay or a Shun Yamaguchi, seems like the logical scenario. When, when you see that Nate may or may not be back, do you think he would give our bullpen a boost, or is it just better just to shut him down? Um, I don't want to shut him down, but if you look at the situation with Ken Giles returning, we've already been... Uh, closing by committee and I, I don't know that Nate necessarily nets us a positive right now in the pen given how well everyone else is pitching and, and how much he struggled as a starter I'm not saying Nate is a bad pitcher he's, he's not he's 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 one of the top 10 prospects in baseball I just don't know do we really want to force him back into the lineup in a way that uh, is not commensurate with his skills uh, as well riddle as putting me, riddle me this though, what if he opens for two innings? Um, Nate is the kind of pitcher that gets better though, as time as innings pass, like yep, his velocity agreed. goes up. Uh, he's a freak like that. Both he and Verlander have that thing where they just, for some reason, their fastballs get better. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know if opening is the answer for Nate. Um. I don't know if it's even worth it to push him to come back. We've got so many arms right now who are pitching well for us. Uh, although I do They've love the idea. Worked, man. <laughs> I know. And it's just like we need all the arms we can get, especially with like Shoemaker and Romano being huge question marks. Uh, but Ken Giles coming back is going to be a big boost. He's going to be expected when he comes back. Uh, once he's yeah, had a couple of low leverage uh, spots, he will be expected to shoulder the load when it comes to relief pitching. He's not going to yeah. be every day. We will continue to close by committee, um, but uh, Ken will probably see more innings than everybody else. So, like, I don't know where Nate fits in exactly, but unless it's, like, replacing one of the struggling starters, like Tanner Rourke or Robbie Ray, I, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. a big question mark. I don't know. I can I can see him if he's told that, hey man, you're pitching two innings, like throw hard. Maybe he has yeah. an opener. He does that versus like you know he starters tend to try and pace themselves a little bit, whereas bullpen guys come in for max effort. Um, I could see him being effective in that role. I think he'll pitch in the bullpen, whether it's in the regular season or the playoffs. But I, I do believe we'll see him back. Um, guys, we likely won't see back this season. Rowdy Telez, he is expected to be out. He's got a, a tendon issue in his right knee, suspected tendon issue. Yep. He was already on the IL, of course, before the Blue Jays uh, had revealed this with a right knee strain. We just talked about Billy McKinney coming back up. And it's really, really sucks because Rowdy was having his best, best stretch in the majors. 35 games this season. He had a slash line of 283, 346, 540. So uh, a near... 900 OPS, which is a very, very good number. He was hitting for average, which is something that we I don't think we expect from Rowdy in the long term. He's had hot streaks before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, him and then the next guy up here, Tay Oscar. Well, it's a left oblique strain. It the swelling has uh, not well, it hadn't gone down yet. They want to put it. They want to do a second. Um, MRI once the swelling goes down to determine what kind of damage there is there but the oblique is one of the muscles that you use most in a baseball swing 
If you recall, Vladdy hurt his in spring training last season. That was what delayed his call-up. We've had other guys in the bigs uh, strain theirs before. I think Aaron Judge had a couple of oblique tweaks last year for the Yankees. Uh, we know how hard he hits baseballs. Teoscar was hitting baseballs very hard this year. He's in the top five, as we talked about a few episodes ago, in exit velocity uh, and hard hit percentage. So the fact that he has this oblique injury and it may limit him if and when he does try to return this season. Again, is it is it worth it for Teoscar to come back? We know Rowdy's done, but is it worth it for the Blue Jays to try and get Teoscar back? It really depends on the severity of the oblique strain. If it's mild and there's not a lot of damage in behind it, um, you know, he could he he could be back as soon as a week from today. Sure. I mean, he's only been on the the uh, the IL for uh, four days now, I think. So, or three or yeah. four. Uh, so he that. he he could be back next Friday. Um, True. I mean, he could be, but with the swelling not gone down enough for them to perform that second MRI yet. I would be shocked if he is back before the last week of the season at this point, because he's going to have to get some ABs like Bo did in Rochester against the alternates. I Um, mean, it's such a a short, (laughs) it is a huge loss, but it's a short season. Um, Losing to Lezen Hernandez. I mean, you lose two of your top uh, four hitting players. It's going to devastate you. But again, the Jays well, have been winning three by of the top four with Bo out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the Jays have been hitting by committee already. They've already yeah. got a spread out offense. So, yes, it hurts us in the long term uh, when it comes to, you know, maybe the playoffs. But I don't see us suddenly becoming a sub 500 team because we lost both these guys. Because I, there I just. There are reinforcements on the way, too. I think there's yeah I think there's enough pitching for us to st- stabilize uh, and yeah. I do think Hernandez will be back uh, but getting Bo back is going to basically replace uh, Telez's offense at the very least. Really, all we need to do the rest of the season is play 500 baseball to make the playoffs. Yeah, but I don't want to take the chance that uh, you've got teams like Seattle. Uh, and Anaheim right now surging, and I really don't want to gamble on 500 to be good enough, five games above 500 to be good enough it'll to get be, into the playoffs. It'll be good enough. It probably will be, but the thing is, we still have to pound the Yankees every opportunity we have, and I just don't want to. I don't want to rest on our laurels. I think the team has to continue to attack every game like it's do or die. Um, just because there's not enough time. It's a short season. And that's why these injuries yeah. suck too is because these injuries, typically you would see them. A lot of these guys would go on the 15 day or 10 day IL and then maybe an extra three or four days and then be back. And it's not a big deal. Bo has been out for almost a month and it's killing us. And yeah. like Rowdy, Rowdy's injury, he'd probably still be 60 day IL minimum. Teoscar Hernandez would probably be back within a month. But because there's not a month left in the season, to say he's done for the season is just it's short term. Yeah. And yes, it's shitty, but it's we just kind of have to suck it up. This team wasn't in, meant to make the playoffs this year and this team wasn't meant to compete. They the fact that they are shouldn't necessitate us rushing back injured players just to get an extra win or two to to get a playoff spot. 
I agree. Yeah, and I mean, this next guy that's injured, Wilmer Font, isn't really going to help us get back to the playoffs anyway. <laughs> if he does nope. come back, he's been pitching quite poorly. He's allowed 13 earned runs in 13 and a third innings, uh, ERA of 8.78. He's been one of the weaker arms in our bullpen. Of course, we used him as a opener last season. I think that's probably where he is best deployed. Yes. Um, he was likely pitched his last game in a Blue Jays uniform, if I think a lot of Blue Jay fans had their way. Uh, <laughs> it would be surprising if he comes back. He's on the 10-day IL with a right shin contusion. Um, that covers injuries. Obviously, Bo and Giles are coming back soon. Hopefully, Romano can get back. Maybe Shoemaker. The rest of these guys, Pearson, Telez, Teo, and Wilmer Font will likely, I mean, likely not be back, but Teoscars has the best chance. Um, Tanner Roark. Let's talk about this guy for a second. So... In the last game against the Yankees, which was yesterday, the Blue Jays did end up losing 7-2, to so still win that series 2-1. to Davey Garcia, great start for the Yankees. Uh, short little guy, threw seven innings of two-hit baseball, or two-run baseball. Really, I thought he pitched really well. I thought him on my dynasty team, so having him, uh, that's the future for me in my dynasty league, so I was actually kind of happy that he pitched well. Nice <laughs> to get to watch those prospects play when, they're, when, they, when you draft them in dynasty like two years ago. But uh, Tanner Roark is not happy. So he was pulled after the fourth inning yesterday, Patrick. He did give up two hits, of course, in Tanner Roark fashion. They were both home runs, uh, solo shots, only through 67 pitches. So he had seen the order twice. So Tanner Roark is mad that, in quotes, the computer is deciding when he comes out of games. Well, Tanner, the biggest problem for you, my friend, is that your ERA going through the order for a third time this season is nine that's not a made-up number he is an era of nine going through the order the third time that is why you were pulled tanner Ork. maybe if you had some better numbers against that that order the third time and weren't serving up home runs like it was your day job uh, <laughs> you would be going in deeper into games so only two pitchers patrick have given up more home runs since the start of june 2019 one of them is robbie ray his new teammate which also bodes well for the blue jays and the other is former Blue Jay and Detroit Tigers pitcher Matt Boyd. Now, Matt Boyd has given up 45 home runs in that time. I believe Roark is about 36, so Matt Boyd's pretty far ahead. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, when you're in the top three for home runs allowed and you have an ERA of nine going through the third time of the order and the two hits you allowed were both home runs, I think the Blue Jays made the right call pulling him. I know we've been screaming all season for guys getting a quick hook. Chase Anderson got a quick hook in his last start. We found he was on a pitch count. But does Tanner Roark have a right to be mad, or should he just pitch better, perhaps? He has no right, really. <laughs> I understand like he was he's getting paid money to perform, and he wants the opportunity to perform. And good for him for being a competitor. Um, but I'm going to read you a number, and I want you to guess what it is. 21.7%. Can you Walk guess what rate. that stat might be? The amount of batters Tanner Roark walks, perhaps? No. His BB ah. per nine is 4.84, which is Oof. atrocious. Um, That's home his, run for fly ball percentage, probably. It is his home run for <laughs> fly ball percentage, uh, which is about double uh, what you want to see in a pitcher. His home yeah, runs per nine is 2.55. Yeah, and it's just like he has been – he's out there serving up meatballs, uh, you know, like he's working at the uh, Italian pumpkin, buffet downtown. Pumpkin spice muffins? 
Yeah, just tossing them, tossing absolute muffins. He, he. Let's be honest. He hasn't looked great. Um, the walk rate that we wanted to see from him from last year um, of seven point one percent. No, it's actually eleven point nine percent this year. His strikeout rate is down. His K's per walk is down. His batting average uh, is up. His WHIP is up from 1.40, which is already borderline, to 1.73. Yeah. Uh, he's leaving 80, 81.3% of guys on base, which is great. Um, but uh, sorry to say, Tanner Rourke, but the computer tells me your FIP is 6.80, and you're a, neg- <laughs> you're a negative 0.3 war player. Uh, numbers don't lie. Your stats aren't good. Um, I mean, we could go on and on and on about advanced yeah, statistics as far let's as not bother with him. Uh, it's not worth the time. He's not. <laughs> he doesn't have a leg to stand on in in this no. uh, particular argument. Uh, his numbers look like shit, and when they're like shit, you get yanked a lot quicker. Um, by the way, very interesting to me. Tanner Rourke whining about getting pulled after four innings. Uh, Taiwan Walker only pitched what four or five innings in his start. Yep. No, a uh, couple hits, couple walks, uh, no runs, <laughs> uh, no runs from what I recall. Uh, the team yeah. went on to win the game. Yeah, I, like I, I was mentioning so, before the show, right? I think if Ross Stripling didn't come in and kind of serve up a bunch of home runs and, and other runs to the Yankees, I think maybe he wouldn't be complaining. But because we lost, he's just a little bit mad about it. But moving on, let's talk about some playoff standings right now. So the Blue Jays currently sit in the fifth seed in the American League playoff race, which is uh, based on their second place standing in the American League. Now, we're four games behind Tampa Bay, Patrick. We're two games up on the Yankees and three and a half up on the Baltimore Orioles in our division. So by no means are we in a comfortable position. Uh, Both those teams behind us still obviously are in it. The Yankees are in that eighth and final playoff spot at 22-21 and with Baltimore hot on their heels. Other teams surging up the standings. You alluded to it. The Tigers, the Mariners, and the Angels are all surging right now. The Angels are still 10 games under 500. I think we can almost rule them out at this point. They don't have the pitching to to catch these teams, let alone pass the three teams ahead of them. They can probably pass Baltimore because, let's be honest, Baltimore is still shit and they're going to fail at the end of the season. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the, the Mariners and the Tigers have a decent shot uh, at catching up to the Yankees, perhaps. Um yeah, if if we knew if we knew that Bo wasn't coming back, if we knew that he wasn't coming back, I would be a little bit more skeptical of the Blue Jays' chances to hold on to the spot. But because he should be back, maybe even as early as Saturday, maybe tomorrow, possibly, um, there's a chance that uh, we'll be able to keep performing at the level we have been. Out of the teams who are currently in the playoff picture, besides the Blue Jays, who do you see having the I guess the best chance to to blow their playoff spot? Um, probably the Houston Astros, uh, even though they are the, uh, the W2, I guess you yeah. could say, or like the American League West second place. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're only 500, uh, which means the Seattle Mariners, they're only two games up on Seattle technically. Yeah. Uh, so just the, the space, uh, in between, the Twins and the Yankees is significant. Uh, the Twins aren't right. going to be moving. Uh, they are unfortunately stuck in a division where a bunch of teams are surging. The White Sox look great. The Indians look great. Uh, the Ath- 
Athletics uh, over in the West look great. Tampa Bay looks great. Um, mm-hmm. It's our playoff spot. The fifth seed is ours to lose. Yeah, at and the Angels point. did win today, by the way, too. So they are eighteen and twenty-seven now. Y- yep, they just uh, won the, this afternoon. The other thing uh, to keep in mind is that the Yankees are about to play a, a set against the Orioles. True. Um, whoever wins that series, I think, is going to be the eighth seed by the end of it, and uh, it could be bad news for us if we struggle against the Mets. Uh, if the Yankees are able to resurge. Uh, and peel some wins. I think best case scenario for us is the two teams beat each other up. The Orioles take two of three, uh, and then we go in to play the Yankees, and we go in there and take two of three from them again. Yeah, it can go one of two ways. Obviously, we want the Yankees to lose because they're the team that's closest to us, but if if Baltimore sweeps the Yankees, then they're ahead of New York, but we still have seven games against New York and three more against Baltimore. Yeah. So... Nothing is going to be determined. I think that last series against Baltimore may actually end up determining something. Yep, um, for sure. At the I, start of the season, I think we all thought it was kind of just going to be like, oh, another classic Blue Jays in Baltimore battling it out for fourth place in the American League East <laughs> again uh, kind of series. But it's actually made to determine second place in the American League East if the current standings hold up. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the Astros are the least safe team too. Obviously, the Mariners and the Angels are in their division. The Astros have a lot of injury, injuries, right? They're sitting at 500. They're, they don't have a Verlander. I think Altuve, I think Springer's on the IL, maybe even I think one of Correa or Bregman's on there too. I'm trying not to follow them too much because they cheated. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. but they're, they're in some deep, they're in some deep doo-doo. They don't have their playoff pitchers. They don't have Cole and Verlander like they did last season. So they're gonna, they're, they might see some, some, uh, some tumbling down the standings board as things continue, they're safe in that sixth spot for now until either one of the Tigers or Mariners pass them or the Angels perhaps too. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I think you're right about the Astros being in danger. Obviously the twins are pretty safe because they've got a better record than almost everybody. Uh, they have more wins than Cleveland, but also one more loss as well in their, in their division. So I think we'll see, we'll see that central division play out with three teams in the, in the, in the playoffs for sure. I think the only other chance, only other division with any chance to have three teams is the East uh, at this point, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, moving into the last five games for the Jays, we're three and two. Obviously, we we uh, we won three out of five against Boston. The last two games we split with them in that series. Uh, that was big just to win that series because obviously Boston is not a good team this year. And then we ended up taking two of three from the Yankees. Um, which easily could have went opposite. We could have gotten swept because our, our pitchers walked 19 batters in three games <laughs> against the Yankees, Oof. including six in the game that we won 2-1. to one. The Yankees stranded like 12 or 13 base runners in that 2-1 to one win. Yeah. Um, against a normal Yankees team with a judge and a Stanton in the lineup, I don't think that happens. <laughs> I think they hit those home runs probably. Obviously, we, we saw a 7-2 loss in the third game. Um, how about that 12-7 to win, Patrick? Uh, obviously, <laughs> the team was down 6-2 to and then went on to have a 10-run sixth inning capped by a home run from the Blue Jays' obviously most valuable player this season, Danny Jansen. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was one of the crazier innings that the Blue Jays have experienced probably since... Uh, that infamous playoff game against the Rangers. Um, what were your thoughts as you watched that inning unfold? 
I mean, I don't want to say it was predictable, but you could tell as soon as Octaviano took the took the mound in his first step in the walk the first guy, I think it was. Yeah. Um, it was going to be a shit well, show. Well, no, he actually got Denny Jansen out, and then uh, he walked Espinal. Yeah, okay, so starting yeah. with Espinal, that's when the shit show started. Yeah. And I just had a feeling like, man, <laughs> if you give this team a window to take advantage of weak pitching, they are going to absolutely clobber it. Look at all these games. In their last yeah. five games, their pitching has given up seven runs or more, which is alarming. That's really, yeah. really bad. We are in trouble if we keep uh, – keep pitching like that but that we being said to win 9 8 10 8 12 7 every time yeah. out um i it's remember been... on that broadcast though when they walked espinal buck was buck was like ready to jump out of his chair i think in the studio because they walked him on a 3-2 curveball um buck's yeah. been talking about all season how baseball is just they've lost the fastball they don't throw it anymore uh it used to be that there'd be a bunch of guys like taiwan walker who want uh, batters to beat them with their best pitch and most of the time your best pitch is going to be your fastball i mean it should be if you're a guy who's coming there just to throw junk i mean r.a dickey did it with the knuckleball but uh, if you're just a junk pitcher you're not going to last long in the big leagues because once once guys figure out that you can't throw a fastball they're just going to sit on your breaking pitches and if they're not in the strike zone you're going to do what odovino did and just walk a ton of players so I, i'm with buck on this one i know i'm usually not in agreement with him too often but in this particular case, when you've already got one out, you're facing the number nine hitter in the lineup, and you'll walk him on a 3-2 curveball, that's Bush League. Yeah, it's bad. It's a it's a bad look. Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, though, like I think it says more about the quality of the Jays' hitters and the depth of the lineup rather than uh, yeah. how bad the Yankees are right now, although the Yankees are are definitely a bad team. And they don't deserve to make the playoffs. Um, and I really wish we had swept them because it would have been very funny, especially mm-hmm. with all the crying that was going on in Yankees Twitter land, uh, as well as their subreddit. Oh, my God, the tears are delicious. Yeah. Um, the Yankees subreddit right now is transformed into a Yankee candle subreddit, and it is some of the best. Oh, my God baseball related material out there right now they have just <laughs> given up on their team and they're it. using yankee candles uh and uh to make analogies about the actual team it's very tongue-in-cheek obviously they're all yankees fans <laughs> they they know quite a bit about baseball uh and it's very tongue-in-cheek it's just it's fun it's fun it's fun to watch yeah, the Yankees. That's lose. like when the Blue Jays were a uh, Ripley's Aquarium themed subreddit for a while there last season. When we yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's funny when garbage teams, uh, their subreddits <laughs> turn into something different. Let's look at let's look ahead a little bit here. So, over our next few games, next like was it eight games, yep. we've got two starts lined up for Chase Anderson. <laughs> we've got two from Robbie Ray, likely. We've got a Roark, a Walker, and a Ryu, as well as potentially a bullpen day on Saturday against the Mets. Maybe some sort of like Julian Merriweather, Thomas Hatch, Shunya Maguchi type of day. Yep. Uh, we face Jacob deGrom tomorrow. He's <laughs> been a beast. He's looking like he may win another Cy Young Award. We also will see Davey Garcia again, who we lost to last night against the Yanks. And we'll see Garrett Cole and Masahiro Tanaka 
mm. in that series as well. So we've got Garcia, Cole, Tanaka in that next Yankee series. The Phillies for our doubleheader next Friday have not announced their pitchers yet. That'll be determined closer too. But they've got guys like uh, Aaron Nola, or what's his name? My wife's name is, I can't remember. And uh, um, Jake Arrieta as well on their team. So we'll see some good pitchers most likely. But honestly, there's, there's, there's three pitchers you don't like to see there. DeGrom, Cole, Tanaka. Um, this is going to be a tough stretch. I mean, the, the Mets aren't a playoff team right now. But they are dangerous enough that they can do some damage, especially with the guy at DeGrom on the mound. They could win one nothing, and DeGrom could go nine innings against us. Yep. Um, you've gotten our notes here, and I agree with you that that series against the Yankees could be the season-defining series. If we don't manage to take two of three from the Mets and say the Yankees sweep Baltimore this weekend, we could lose all the ground that we just gained, and our season could be in savior mode by the time we face Philadelphia next Friday. These next eight games, if we don't go 500, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, the thing I'm really concerned about is like looking at these matchups. I'm wondering, and again, this is like five-dimensional chess uh, (laughs) thinking. I am cool with the idea of bumping Taiwan Walker's start down and go Anderson bullpen day, Robbie Ray, uh, Juan Jin Ryu in the opener, and then have the second one be something like a Ross stripling day. Cause like look, Garrett Cole is probably going to mow us down. I, and I'd rather, I don't want to waste a good performance from Taiwan Walker. And I really don't want uh, Tanner Rourke to be the guy that might end up playing a rubber match. <laughs> Rourke versus Tanaka is, uh, not a good matchup for us and i would be i would be down with us uh supplementing the lineup by you know just kind of conceding the fact that garrett cole's probably going to destroy us and then have walker versus tanaka in the finale but i know that's probably not going to happen and and it's probably too far out there for for management to kind of consider something like that yeah but i mean like we i don't know we have we have the arms that can pitch multiple innings. I don't see why we don't do it. A bullpen day versus Garrett Cole. Can you imagine if we got a win on that day? Like that's That'd amazing. Be amazing. Yeah. But, but... In, instead, we're gonna burn a Taiwan Walker start against Garrett Cole, who's probably gonna yeah, shut man. us down. It's it's a start at Yankee Stadium. I don't think you can. I don't think you can ever burn. I don't think it's ever burning a start. I think uh, Garrett Cole has been allowing home runs this season. So. I just because we see him on there. I mean, we've 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 faced some other good pitchers this year who haven't pitched well against us. So, uh, we we lit up Blake Snell once this season. So I I don't see, I don't see any unwinnable games on here. There's some games that on paper don't look so great. Obviously, the game tomorrow <laughs> against the ground doesn't look great. But again, you never know if he doesn't have his best stuff. If we can work a couple walks, get some get a couple runs across the plate. Maybe Chase Anderson has to start like he did last time, where he strikes out eight batters over over five innings and looks really good. It's, it could happen. It's true. I would say, like looking at these next eight games, these are eight of the most critical games of the season. Yeah. It's hey, not that it's the not paper... a matter of having to win them, but I would say yeah. winning five of eight is almost necessary in order yeah. to hold hold firm in the fifth seed. And who knows? It's Tampa's division to lose, but if they 
falter at all, we are going to be breathing down their neck if we can be successful in these this stretch of eight games. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the paper story never tells the, the game story. We were projected to be a World Series favorites when the year we acquired uh, Mark Burley, Jose Reyes, uh, R.A. Dickey, and we didn't make the playoffs. So you got to play the games. But looking at some guys who have been hot, we got two guys on the Who's Hot list this week. We've got Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who I think was on the Who's Hot list last week too, um, who has been absolutely lighting it up. Uh, lately, I mean, obviously he's hitting 435 over his last seven games, 10 for 23. <laughs> no homers, but he's been a line drive machine. The big numbers for me, only two uh, two walks against only three strikeouts. So that's huge for Lourdes. Um, I mean, he's been a streaky hitter. We talked about Rowdy being a streaky hitter. But Lourdes is uh, really hitting along the lines of what we thought he would do. I mean, you keep saying he's probably a 280 hitter. I tend to agree with you. We've seen 710 career bats from Lourdes now, and he is a 283 hitter over that time. Um, 37 home runs, so you average that over a season, say he gets 600 at-bats, he's about a 30 home run player, which if we can get 30 home runs from our left fielder, we will take that every single day. Um, this guy is looking to be a steal on the current contract that he's on. We've got him for a few more years. He's never going to win a gold glove. You're, you're right in the notes. But, uh, of course, he does have the ability to throw people out. We've seen him laser some throws into the infield. He seems to be more accurate from the wall in left field than he ever was throwing from second to first base, which I don't know how that's possible, but we're not going to complain. We're not going to uh, stop it. Um, and then Shunem Miguchi. I'll, I'll get through him before I let you chime in. He got rocked in his first two starts, right? I mean, we talked about it last week, but it's almost like we shouldn't have overreacted after two starts. He's on a two-year <laughs> contract with us. He's got his ERA down to 398 on the season, 236 over his last seven games, in which he's thrown 16 and a third innings, by the way. So he's never just a one-batter kind of guy. Um, he's done a really great job. I mean, he's got his whip down to 122 over those last uh, seven as well. And he's really looking like the guy that we thought we were going to get, a guy that I thought was going to compete for a rotation job in the spring. And maybe we give him some action here in that bullpen game on Saturday. I think we'll probably see him or Thomas Hatch get some bulk, maybe a Julian Merriweather as well too. But uh, thoughts on Guriel and, uh, and, and Yamaguchi, Patrick? Uh, well, starting with Guriel, uh, I've, I've been a big fan of his since day one. No, yeah. no surprise to see him bounce back from a rough start. Mm -hmm. uh, can you imagine yeah. what his numbers would look like without that rough start? And that's probably what Guriel's ceiling is as far as a, a season. Yeah. Um, two, 280 is probably his floor as a player. I mean, clearly we're seeing it now in the last seven games. He, he can hit 400 uh, if he wants. <laughs> uh, he's basically been... <laughs> you know, driving in, driving in runs at will, uh, during his, uh, 710 career at bats. I don't know. This guy has everything that's needed to be a 30 home run, 80 RBI, 280 hitter who can also steal your bases. I'd like to see him push a little bit more to get more stolen bases. I think he has the potential to do 2020, uh, probably not 30, 30, but he, he definitely has the power to hit 30 home runs. Uh, he's got the speed. Um, 
I wish he would take more, take more pitches, maybe be a little bit more patient, but it's easy for me to say that when I'm not a hitter myself. And if you look at his OBP in the last 30 games, he's definitely being more patient. He just had such a rough start to the year. The whole Jays team did though. They were struggling to try to get guys on base. Everybody was trying to hit the ball 500 feet (laughs) Uh, to get the home run to to get the team back in a, a spot where they're winning, um, he is exactly what you want in a three hole hitter. I would have him hitting third every game, no matter what. Uh, that's just me. I like what he has. I would have I would have something like uh, Biggio, Bichette, Guriel, and then you know you can take your pick between Teoscar and Endes, Laddy Guerrero, and Rowdy Telez, whoever's healthy or whoever's hitting hottest, and then just kind of mix and mash those guys uh, from four to six. But I think Guriel should be getting as many at-bats as we can give him um, because he's clearly shown he's got the productivity. He's got the power. He's got the speed. He's not a great fielder, but he's not a bad fielder either. He's not a negative value defender as far as I know. Um, if I'm wrong, feel free uh, to send a comment at BFMD Podcast. Uh, I'm okay with being proven that I'm wrong. In fact, that's pretty much the <laughs> the entire theme of this podcast, uh, <laughs> which is totally cool. Uh, moving on to Shun Yamaguchi. Uh, here's some interesting numbers for you. Uh, those first two appearances uh, in late July for Yamaguchi, um, let's not take those into consideration. Let's only look at uh, his appearances from yeah. August 3rd to present. Uh, ERA of 2.33, opponent batting average of 221, uh, OBP against 276. Guys are only slugging 382 against him. That's pretty damn good. He's only given up five earned runs since those two rough starts. Um, yes, his last three appearances, he uh, has given up an earned run in each of those, uh, two of which were home runs. Uh, but you kind of have to look at it as what was he doing? Uh, instead of doing one inning, uh, Yamaguchi has been doing two innings or more since August the 7th or yeah, August the 7th, 2.2 innings, then four innings against Boston in a win, 2.2 against Miami in a loss, three, uh, in a loss against Boston and then two against the Yankees in a win. He is, our long reliever for lack of a a better phrase. And I'm using the like finger quotations. Um, He he is, he's performing adequately. I, I think we definitely uh, got a little uh, hot to trot when it came to uh, bashing him at the start. He did look terrible in those two games. He hasn't really looked terrible since he's had a couple of zeros posted uh although not recently um i think honestly yamaguchi would be the guy that i would use to replace tanner rourke if we're gonna do it he's yeah. he's getting stretched out and if you look at uh for example um he pitched uh september 1st september 5th september 8th uh in that time period he pitched almost eight innings. So he's getting stretched out. He's pitching more in a shorter period of time uh, as opposed to August where it was a little more stretched out uh, and fewer innings. So 
I like what I'm seeing from him, and I'm glad that we signed him to more than one year because I'd like to see what he can do, you know, stretch out over a little bit more time. What are your thoughts? True. No, I mean, I I want him in the rotation in spring training until he was pitching poorly, but he's obviously adjusted to the baseball to the baseball here now. He's got that nasty, nasty sinker, man. It's dirty. Like it's got so much vertical break or drop, I guess. Um, yeah, both it, both he and Rafael Dolis balls that are bouncing. <laughs> yep, it's both. that uh, that power sinker that you develop in Japan, I think. It's so, it's it could be that, it's, but it, it's good it to could. See. Yeah, I feel like it's something, the off-speed stuff uh, on the Jays staff. And I know, like, we we talked last week about how it was an overhaul. But if you look at the way that the uh, the bullpen has been getting ahead of guys, and then they drop in those splitters over and over and over again, Dolis practically ran them down the Yankees' throats. It was insane uh, in yeah. that uh, the 2-1 win. Uh, I don't know if you recall, but even in the final at bat, uh, he was just dropping sinkers over and over and over and over again, and there was oh, nothing. Yeah. There was nothing anybody could do about it. There, it was just there were a lot of like uh, crappy check swings and stuff like that. Uh, Rafael Dolis uh, has not given up an earned run since uh, August the fifth or August the twelfth. In the loss against Miami, since that start, uh, his ERA is 1.35, and it's because of those two earned runs. Uh, opponents are hitting 163 against Rafael Dolis since August 12th, which is a grand total of 13 innings, which isn't much. But again, it's a short season. This makes a huge difference. So guys like Yamaguchi and Dolis are the reason why we are in the playoffs right now, and they're going to continue to be the reason we stay there as long as they continue the stabilization. True. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy with how, how, uh, how Dolis and Yamaguchi have performed, especially lately. Um, but with that being said, I think we are at the end of today's episode. Obviously, uh, we're getting close to the magic number, Patrick. We've been trying to get to 100 episodes since we began this sucker, and the fact that we're almost there is pretty cool. Um, everyone, please check us out at BFMD Podcast on Twitter. We post a lot of great stuff there, retweet a lot of great Blue Jay news, and sometimes I get really emotional and say really funny things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can also listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, we host our podcast on Anchor to show to those folks for giving a great free podcast platform. Thanks to our friends at Blue Jays Aggregator for including us on the website with a bunch of other great Blue Jays podcasts. If you don't listen to us, at least go on the Aggregator and find a show that you do like because if you don't like us and you like the Blue Jays, at least find somebody who enjoy the sound of their voice because I can't listen to myself talk either. But with that being said, let's wrap up this episode today. For Patrick Marsh out in Halifax, Nova Scotia, I'm Justin Anderson in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, signing off. We'll see you next time.